We're starting a mini-series on comebacks. And today we're going to be talking about really the greatest comeback ever. But in the weeks to come, Lord willing, we'll be talking about coming back from failure. Coming back from the challenges of life. Coming back from a life of sin. Um, But today we're going to talk about the greatest comeback ever. And before I tell you what it is, let me speak to those of you online for a moment. As I look around today, I appreciate all of you being here in this service, and I know that you're glad to be a part. We also know there are some watching that are unable physically to be here, or you have extenuating circumstances that may prohibit you from being here. But there are others, and you're watching. Um, there's really no reason not to come back. And there are a few more people in this auditorium, but there's places I see over here 15, 20 feet from the next person. And that seat's got your name on it. So, and you say, well, I don't want the bigger crowd. Well, come Saturday night, all right? Because uh, there's places you can sit, you're about 75 feet, all right? from the closest person. Saturday night, somewhere between 250, 300 people in a 3,000-seat auditorium. If you go to the grocery store, you're going to be safer coming here. I've told you that. Pastor last week told you that. Um, We want to see you. We miss you. We love you. So, let's make a date. Not date date, but let's make a date, all right? So next Saturday, if you're still concerned, come Saturday. You can sit all the way in back. We'll wave at you all. Somebody up in the far corner there, they're 200 feet from me, all right? So anyway, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for being faithful, but we're asking you in this season of school starting, not all kids are going back, but God help the school system. God help parents. That's all I can say. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another how to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord's return. The day that Christ comes back, that day is near. And so I give you those scriptures, Hebrews 10, 24, 25, to just be a challenge to you to join back if there's a, not a good reason for you to continue to not be here. Today we're talking about the greatest comeback ever. It's when Christ comes back for his church. Aren't you excited about that? Praise God. The only hesitancy, the only hesitancy is those we love that don't know Christ. So today I pray this message will compel you to more earnestly than ever pray for their souls, pray for their hearts and their eyes to be open to the truth of God's Word. Let me tell you about a story I read. 
two men, good friends, lifelong friends. One's a white guy, one's a black guy. And they're now on up in years and they know well, each other well enough and kid each other often that on this day they're driving somewhere and somehow or another the conversation comes up and the black guy says, you know, God's black. And the white guy says, oh, he's not black, he's white. And so they're talking back and forth, on and on, so much so in conversation that the driver fails to pay attention and has a terrible wreck and they both die. But that's okay because they're Christians, all right? So, and they go to heaven and they're standing in front of the pearly gate of heaven. And they're looking at each other. We made it. I guess we're going to find out. And all of a sudden, they hear footprints, literally, coming down the corridor inside of heaven. And the gates swing open, and God says, Buenos dias, senores. <laughs> now, that's not a true story, all right? So just... <laughs> You look over, somebody looked over. I told you, I told you. <laughs> it's just, we're going to be so glad to be there. Um, God is Southern anyway, and so he speaks Southern, all right? No, he's not Southern. God is God. And um, Jesus, of course, born a Jew, died for the whole world. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the reality of heaven. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you, Lord, for us to be challenged, to be so strongly reminded of the reality of your coming back. And I pray it would compel us to do more than ever to pray more than ever, starting with those that are near and dear to us, family members, neighbors, acquaintances, people that have done us wrong. God, help us to so love you that we love them. Pray you fill us with an urgency in our hearts of glad anticipation for your coming that overall awareness that there will be millions and millions lost and left behind. I thank you for helping us today. In Jesus' name, amen. This was and is a central theme of God's Word. Jesus talked a lot about the end time. Paul talked a lot about the end time. He talked a lot about the second coming of the Lord and, and the coming of the Lord when he comes in the clouds, the rapture, the catching away of the bride of Christ. I will take the blame for it, but even here in this church, we don't talk enough about the fact that Christ is coming back. We don't make you probably aware enough. We want it in the forefront of your mind, because, especially now, but Paul in his day believed as he wrote the epistles to us, he believed that Christ no doubt would come back 
in his lifetime. But now, some 2,000 years later, here we are. All this time has transpired. But the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And he is promised, and he will come back. Can you say amen? Now, Acts chapter 1, verse 9, let's read it, and it says this. After he, Christ, had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, two angels, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back. Say it with me. Will come back. This same Jesus will come back. Yes, he is coming back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, Christ came first as the Messiah to reveal himself to Israel and the world. At the coming of and taking place of the rapture, Jesus, we will meet him in the air. The Bible does not say he comes back to this earth at that time. We'll meet him in the air and we'll be with him in heaven. And then the seven years of great tribulation will start. Some of you have known this for 40 years. Some of you, even maybe online, are hearing it for the first time. When Christ comes back to take his church, the seven years of great tribulation will start. At the end of that time, we and Christ will come back. He will set up his earthly kingdom in Jerusalem for a thousand years of peace. No war. The lamb and the lion will lie down together. There will be no hate. There will be no division. There will be no pain. There will be no sickness. Uh, there will be no sorrow. For a thousand years, this earth will resemble God's original plan when he created man. And so what an incredible event. But before we get there, and before we even get to the taking up of the bride of Christ, the rapture, we will experience the pain of the pre-tribulation period. And as we look around today, I've lived long enough to realize, my God, and even in America, we are living in a different world than we ever have in the 200 plus years we've been this country. Some would say it's a, a terrible place. But the only thing terrible about this place is the sin and the wrongdoing that prevails here, whether it's racism or murder or rape or the killing of the unborn. There's a lot of evil in this country. And though there may not be that much around you and I, we understand that God sees differently. God sees every harm, every wrong, every sin, every crime. He sees it all. Christ is coming back. There is a word in 1 Corinthians 16, 22. I 
didn't put it up on the screen, but it's a word Maranatha. And in the early church, it was reported that at least for a period of time, the believers would greet one another with the term Maranatha. It would mean the Lord is coming. Prepare for his coming. Why don't you turn to your neighbor right now? Tell him, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Prepare for his coming. And so maybe we need to start doing that around here with believers. The Lord is coming. Maybe there may be those that, that hear you say it and say, what does that mean? And you can get to tell, that means the Lord is coming. Prepare for his coming. Now, the first coming, Messiah. The second time we appears, the rapture. The second coming that the Bible refers to as the second coming is at the end of the tribulation period. Now, Jesus said before he comes back, it will be as in the days of Noah. So, let me give you a scripture. Matthew 24, verse 37. The Bible says, but as the days of Noah were, as Christ said, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know. The people just had no awareness. They did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. How bad was it? What was going on in the days of Noah that Jesus said, this would be similar right before I come back? In Genesis chapter 6, we read, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry. Oh, look at this. The Lord was sorry. It so grieved his heart, the pain and the horror of sin that covered the earth, that the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. But the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How many of you found grace in the eyes of the Lord? And then in verse 13, it says, the earth is filled with violence. The earth is filled with violence. And it grieved God. Let me take you back to Luke chapter 21. This admonition to every believer here, there at the campuses online, it says, watch out. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing, drunkenness, and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. Don't let it catch you unaware. Noah, when God spoke to him to build the ark for the saving of his family and the animals that were there, when God spoke to him, Noah set about obeying God. And for some 120 years, he built a boat far from the water. 
and the people, no doubt, gathered around for years on end, mocking, laughing, making fun of this old man and his family for building this boat. How long have you been, have you been building this boat now, Noah? Oh, a hundred years. Noah, how long are you going to keep doing this? There is no flood. And the people were just nothing more than mocking, terrorizing, making fun of. And today in America, there's basically a mocking and a making fun of you and I that proclaim Jesus is coming back. But the day came in about 120 years after all those years of Noah saying, the flood's coming. You better get right. This boat is big enough for you. You better get on. No one but his family got on. And then the Bible says the door was shut. And all of a sudden, the rain begins to fall. And it rains that day and the next and that night and day after day. And I don't know how long it took those people to be filled with fear at what was going on, but I can picture them now rushing maybe by the hundreds to that ark, beating on the wall, men, women, kids, beating on the wall of that boat saying, Noah, let us in. My God, have mercy. Noah, no doubt, inside. Now grieving over the noise and knowing that those people that could have been saved will not be. And you and I sit here today with people all around us as indifferent as they were in the days of Noah. The truth of the matter is, one day what we have been saying as believers for now, not 120 years, but 2,000 years will happen and it will be in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. How fast is a twink? Well, it's faster than a wink. So that's pretty fast. It's going to happen just like that. I mean, the thought of the matter is this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Those people jumped up when it started raining. And the water's starting to rise. And they're beating and they're beating and they're beating and pleading. And it did no good. Can you imagine in the twinkling of an eye, Christ comes in the clouds and we rise to meet him in the air. What if it happens right now? And some of you are left in this building in shock and fear and panic consumes you and you start running to these altars, crying out with all your heart, Jesus, and it will be too late for you to go in the rapture. As a teenager, I attended a little country church, and they talked about heaven all the time. Talked about it a lot. So much so that when I was 12, 14 years old around there, I thought about it. I wasn't saved. I hadn't given my life to Christ. But it was there. One night, on a Sunday night, I didn't go to church. Mom did that night. I think she went all by herself. 
Church started around six, always got over at eight, almost without fail. Started at six, got over at eight. You could count on it. This Sunday night, mom didn't show up. We didn't have cell phones. I couldn't text her. What are you doing, mom? It's 8.30. You okay? No, we didn't have that communication. And so 8.30 comes, mom doesn't show up. Nine o'clock comes, and at this point, I'm starting to panic. And at this point, in the back of my mind, I'm preparing to flee from the 666. I'm telling you, I've already got my plans. I'm going to go back to the old property, going to live back there, hide out from those people. They're not putting that 666 on me. And so, I'm, I am just literally in a panic, 930 Rolls around, no mom. Quarter to 10, no mom. At this point, I have convinced myself I have missed the rapture. And I knew I was going to miss it because I wasn't ready. And looking out the window of our front room that saw the dirt road coming up to our house, I kept looking. And yet I was convinced, mom never is out this late. But around 10 o'clock, all of a sudden, car lights turn, and I am like, thank God. Thank God. Mom gets home, I'm like, why are you so late? She's still crying. She's still teary-eyed. She said, we had just God moved mightily. God moved I don't know, maybe one of the ones she's praying for for me because uh, I needed it, even at 14 years of age. And there will be some of you that have loved ones that are not ready to go that will be left behind. And so I challenge you. I challenge you to just think for a moment about what's going to happen to them when Christ comes and they're left behind. Pastor, are you trying to scare me? Uh, no, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to get you saved. Uh, I'm trying for you to come to Christ. I'm trying for you to realize you don't want to be left behind. Christ is coming back. That's a guarantee. It's all a lie if that's not true, and it is not a lie. He's coming back. And Jesus said it would be as in the days of Noah. And we've just gotten a taste here lately across America Thank God for the peaceful demonstrations, but an element of criminality has entered into the picture and people are doing things that are horrible. In major cities in America, there's places you do not want to go. And there is evil as a result. Even the last four months, the lockdowns, domestic abuse has skyrocketed. Men and women that usually have that time apart. And now domestic abuse, physical assault, uh, and uh, alcohol consumption has gone through the roof. And, and sexual abuse has gone through the roof because of what we've been facing the last. But not because of that, but because people don't know Jesus. Because when you know Jesus, even if we, they locked us down for a year, we'd still love Jesus right at the end of the year. 
So it's not going to affect us. So we need to be, who's going to heaven anyway? Those who are dead in Christ and those who are alive in Christ. But across this land has swept a wave of wrong and evil and sin across America today. Teen criminality has risen to great heights. People are confused. Sexual abuse. The the uh, sex trafficking, trafficking of literally, they think there's over a million girls, teenage girls and women who are trafficked around the world. Orlando, just because you don't see it in your neighborhood, Orlando is a hub of sex trafficking. And so it's happening right under our noses, but God sees it. God sees it all. He sees the abuse and the sin and the pain and the sorrow, and it grieves his heart. So therefore, for all of us listening, may we get a glimpse of the heart of God for the lost of this world. Drugs everywhere, opioids, meth, coke, everywhere. It's rampant. And we've got people that, of course, those that have a tendency to have a mindset to open up marijuana usage and, and which is just going to open more so the floodgates of hell. There is porn spread across our world today. Little kids walking around in the fourth and fifth grade with one of these that they can pull anything down that's out there out of the air and see things they were never meant to see. Several years ago, parents came to me brokenhearted, not knowing what in the world to do. They just discovered their teenage son, about 14, who at night, for a period of a long time, had been climbing up into the attic, crawling over the rafters to his father's office, going down through the roof into that room, and for hours every night, sitting there watching porn, so addicted and blurry eyes from a loss of sleep that the boy was not functioning. This has spread across the world and spread across Orlando and spread across churches to the point there are people sitting in churches and it mostly affects men who are so bound they don't understand how in the world they could ever be free but there is a way. The power of Almighty God can set a man free. Noah preached, didn't stop. And just because it's been 120 years, after God had told him, he didn't stop. He kept telling the people. And just because it's been 2,000 years, we don't stop either. We keep telling people, Jesus is coming. He really is. He's coming, and you need to be ready. And we do it with love, and we do it with compassion, and we do it as we have prayed for them. Matthew 24 says, so you too must keep watch. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Verse 44, you also must be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when least expected. Maybe today. 
when least expected, he says. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, and everyone who has this hope, the hope of his return, the hope that he's coming back, everyone who has the hope that he's coming back will purify himself just as he is pure. Now, if we knew 100,000% that he was coming back in 30 minutes, who would we want to run to and ask forgiveness? What sin would we want to ask forgiveness of? What person? Maybe, maybe men would turn to their wives and say, honey, forgive me. Or wives would turn to their husbands and say, forgive me. And lock arms. Maybe for the first time in a long time, they purify themselves, the Bible says. When you understand that the Lord is coming back, the word I just read you, when you fully understand that and believe it, we purify ourselves because he could come back at any moment. Let me quickly give you this. Stay with me, all right? Edward Gibbon wrote a book, The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. At its height of power, it was the greatest empire on the earth. But of course, there was a decline and a total fall. He attributed the fall of this greatest empire of the world to the following five things. Let me give it to you quickly. Number one, in Rome and in this powerful Roman empire, the rapid rise of divorce, the undermining of the dignity and the sanctity of the home, the basis of human society. Divorce, the rapid rise of divorce. Now listen, many of you have been divorced. Don't feel guilty for a moment. That's in your past. It's not in your future, all right? So you can thank God. God forgives and restores. You're a first-class saint, all right? So don't ever think otherwise. But the rapid rise of divorce permeated that society. Number two, higher and higher taxes and the spending of public monies for free bread and amusements for the populace. Higher and higher taxes to the point that people could not hardly thrive or survive without the power giving them their bread. Number three, the mad craze for pleasure. The mad craze, craze for pleasure. Number four, the building of gigantic armaments of war when the real enemy was the decadence within the men and women of that empire. Number five, the decay of religion. Look at this one, church. The decay of religion, faith fading into mere form and tradition, losing touch with life and becoming impotent in warning and guiding people. A pandemic where church has been labeled non-essential. And across this country, if you want to think what the powers that be think of Jesus' church, it's non-essential. Grocery store, eating is essential. Alcohol store, that's essential. The politicians need their liquor. And so abortion clinics, that's essential, but not church. Peaceful protests, I'm all for them if they're peaceful. 
but that's essential, but not church. And so, in the state of Virginia, if you dare to have church in recent months, if you dare to have church of more than 10 people in your church, it was like a $2,500 fine in France. The president said, the first offense of going to church, $150. The second offense, $1,500. The third offense, six months in jail. We have lost our First Amendment, in case you weren't paying attention. Our Supreme Court ruled recently that Nevada, even though the casinos had hundreds of people in them, the church could only have 50. And so the Supreme Court just passed that. We've lost the First Amendment in California when churches said they sued the governor there so that they could stay open. The Supreme Court said the governor of California has the right to shut you down in a declared emergency, and he's the one that makes the decision what the emergency is. So things have dramatically changed. But the good news is Jesus is coming back. That's the good news. Jesus is coming back. It doesn't matter. We don't, and God forgive me. Uh, There's been times I've gotten mad at some of these people, but it's not them. There's a spirit of hell behind people's minds causing them to be blinded and hate Christians and hate the church and hate Israel even. Listen, why does it seem like they hate the church so much? Because they're just people that need prayer. It's really the devil that hates the church. It's the devil that hates Israel. He doesn't like the fact that Christ lives in us. He doesn't like the fact that the Jews are God's chosen people. And so there is a concerted attack upon both entities. Well, no matter how much he attacks where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Uh, and so, for you and I, we've found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And, there may, and though they were, there may be those around us that scorn us and make fun of us, we don't hate them. We love them. We pray for them. We do them good. We, we shed a testimony or share a testimony in this city, I don't even remember if I've said this already, but this church in the last four or five months has uh, seen the need in our church families and community, and people have given something like $300,000 to give away, and we've given away now, we've given away now right at $500,000 to help people in this community. We want them to know Christ cares, we care, but more than caring about their utilities and their rent, we care about their soul. And that's what we want to see happen. We want to see them come to Christ. I pray this morning that you leave this place knowing and rejoicing that you are in Christ, but also with a fervency building up inside, not of a depression of how bad things are, but an impression building up inside that there's power 
surging through your life. There's the Spirit of God giving you the empowerment to pray and live a life of purity before God to reach a lost and dying world. Bow your heads with us there at the campuses online, even those of you, bow your heads with us. Father, thank you. Jesus, we give you praise. You said that only the Father knows when you will come for your church. Only the Father knows. And we know something about the Father. He's full of loving kindness. He is long-suffering, Lord Jesus, as you are. And we know and believe that the reason he has not already come is because of your great love for mankind, those that are lost, even those under the sound of my voice. But we also know that when the sin and the carnage and the evil rises to such a level that it affects the heart of God and the grief that he feels toward all those suffering as a result of sin, that no doubt at some point that call will be given to say, take my church home. Go get the church. Go get those in Christ. Go get those dead in Christ that will rise. Go bring them home. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we anticipate that day, but in the meantime, give us a new forward move in our prayers and in our words to see this city impacted in our world. Everyone listening that needs to know Christ, everyone in this building that may be sitting here and thinking, my God, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. If it were to happen this morning, I'm not ready. There's been some strange emotions entering your heart this morning, but right now you can turn to Christ Turn to him with all your heart. I want to lead you in prayer. There at the campuses, there online, here in the auditorium, I want to lead you in prayer. Pastor John is going to pray after me. And so you pray even with him. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I come to you right now. I come to you right now. Knowing that you're the savior of the world. Knowing that you're the savior of the world. That you died for my sins. That you died for my sins. And I ask you, Jesus. And I ask you, Jesus. To forgive me. To forgive me. Of all my sins. Of all my sins. Come into my life. Come into my life. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. I give myself to you. I give myself to you. I repent. I repent. And make you Lord of my life. And make you Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Now look this way. In a moment, Pastor John's going to tell you what you can do. There's a number on the screen. You can call that number and just text uh, saved. Um, and I want to challenge you. If you prayed that prayer with us, I want to challenge you to do that. But right now, I know, even Alice and I got some texts yesterday from some people and we love dearly. And one person a dear, precious lady, I won't mention her name, but um, she told us she had some symptoms of this virus. And 
I want to pray. Before we move any further, I want to pray. And I want all of you to join with me that are healthy. And I want you to pray. And, and it doesn't matter if you're sick. You pray too, all right? But we're going to pray for those of you that may be sick. And there may be somebody in this auditorium. You don't have the virus, all right? And 98% or plus or so are getting over it with mild symptoms. Unfortunately, there are those that have not survived. But by and large, people are having Thank God, getting over it rel relatively quickly. And But there may be some listening that need prayer. So let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come against this virus that may be attacking someone right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we command uh, that virus to die. In Jesus' name, Lord God Almighty. I pray for any that are in this building or there at Michigan Street or Red Bug Lake or watching online, God, that need a touch from you. You are Jehovah Rapha, the healer of our bodies. So Lord Jesus, heal. Lord Jesus, heal bodies. May the healing power of God break out in this place and online and there at the campuses in the mighty name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Blessed, 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 blessed be the name of the Lord. Stand with us please all over the building. Stand with us. Lead us Pastor John. Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Holy, holy. God have mercy. God, God have mercy. Mighty. God have mercy. Great oh God. I God am. Who is worthy? None beside oh, thee. God, my Lord. God, my Lord. My God, Great I am. Hallelujah. Holy, holy. God Almighty, Almighty great I am. Jesus, Jesus. Pastor John, Pastor John's going to lead us in that again. If you need to come to this altar, I want to challenge you to do so. Maybe you just want to come and pray. Or maybe you need someone to pray for you. There'll be somebody here to, to do that this morning. So whatever your need is. But even those of you that prayed to receive Christ... If that was you, why don't you make your way to this altar and just say, Lord, I thank you. God, help me. Maybe this is a coming home for you as far as your relationship to Christ. Let's pray against those things that turns your heart away to start with. So these altars are open. God bless you richly. He's going to lead us in a song, then in prayer. You have a wonderful, great rest of the day. Blessing. Hallelujah. Holy, holy. God Almighty, the great I am, who is worthy, none beside thee. God Almighty, the great I am. God, we thank you today for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, 
Father, you've ministered to lives right now. We thank you that even here at these altars that your presence is here, that over this broadcast your presence is here, and that you're ministering to those that are reaching out to you. I pray in Jesus' name that as people come to be prayed for, as people call, Lord God, even the number that's on their screen to be prayed for today, I pray, God, that your spirit would move in such a mighty way that they would leave from this moment, Lord, knowing that not only have you ministered to their need, but that, God, you're going forward with them in every moment, Lord, never leaving nor forsaking them. Let us face even the week to come, knowing that true in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you, church. If you're in the sanctuary today and you'd like prayer, the altars are open. There are people here to pray with you. If you're watching online today and you would like prayer, you can call the number that's on your screen. We would love to pray with you. Also, if you accepted Jesus today, why don't you text the word SAVED to that same number and we'll get you some materials that are gonna help you along your journey. God bless you all, and we look forward to seeing you again very soon. Take care.